But go ahead and pull out your message notes. Um, today we are on a four-part series called Small Things, Big Differences. Can everyone say small things? Big difference. Big difference. We're on part three of small things and big difference. And the whole series is built on the premise that it's the small things in life, church. It's the small things that can result in a very big difference. In fact, if you can just take one thing away, I like to do this. If you can take one thing away out of this whole four-part series, I pray that you take away me a little bit more than just one thing. But if there's just one thing you can remember, it's this. It's the first blank in your notes. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big difference that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees, the, the, the small steps, the small changes, the, 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 the small uh, tweaks here and there that no one sees that makes the results big and grand and enormous, the results that other people want. For an example, I've, I've been talking about losing weight, losing weight. And uh, with that, how many of you guys know, uh, it's the small things if you want to lose weight. It's the small things. You've got to watch your diet. You've got to make those small tweaks here and there. They can make big results that everyone wants. It's not the top three steps you need to do this, and then, you know, you'll be ripped for summertime. But it's the thing that's the small things in your diet that can make a big difference. Two weeks ago, we talked about our one word. We challenged ourselves to seek the Lord to, uh, to give us one word that God may have for us in the new year, which, by the way, I'm glad that's being effective because I saw on social media, a lot of you are posting your one word, uh, the one word that God has been giving you. And if you guys have missed out on that series, you can check everything up on therockNP.com. Everything's updated on there. Um, but we ask that you would seek God for one word for you in the year of 2019, because we believe, again, it's the small things, even though one word is small, if you focus on that, it can make big differences in your life. Then last week, we talked about our thoughts, and we, again, ended with another challenge, that you would just have one thought that you can keep with you. We talked about how the enemy likes to put destructive thoughts in our head, like, you're no good, who do you think you are, you're inadequate, you're less than. Those are lies from the enemy, just like we talked about this morning, and the best place that he likes to play around with you is in your thoughts. He likes to put thoughts that are lies, thoughts that clearly God is not saying. But for some reason, even as children of God, we time mistake, we time, we mistake it for Jesus' voice. And I want to let you know, you got to get those thoughts captive. And as scripture says, make them obedient to Christ. And then actually read what Jesus says about you. Just as we talked about in Colossians today. Those are things that Jesus said about you. So if he says those things about you, he's obviously thinking those things about you. So why wouldn't you think the same things? And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about the power of just having one thought from God and, again, to shift your perspective from uh, more of a God point of view when those destructive thoughts begin to creep in. And so today, church, we're actually talking about our words. Uh, this is not the, our uh, talking about, like our first sermon, we talked about our one word. This is actually talking about the words that come out of our mouth, the words that we speak. And next week, we're going to end the series with talking about our habits. And the reason we're doing this, because when it comes to our thoughts, our words, and our habits, it doesn't seem like all that much. But this is the flow of our human behavior. Write this down. It says, our thoughts become our words. What we think, we speak. Then our words become our actions. What we speak, we eventually do. And what we repeatedly do develops our character, but it's our character that points to our destiny. 
You see, even the smallest things like our words and our thoughts can result in really big differences in our life. It's like dominoes. Have you guys ever seen the video uh, where the domino chains with like a super small domino and it collapses into the next big domino? I've got a video I want to show you. They're going to pause it. I want you to see this. Go and pause it really quick. But what you may not know. So it's so small, you can't see it. But I'm going to kind of go up here and point to it. There's a little... Go, go over this way. Y'all turn your attention this way. Okay. So there's a little domino he's holding with tweezers. And it's stinking small. He has to set it up with tweezers. And look at what happens with the small things. It results in a big difference. Go and play it. Check this out. Millimeter thick. And I will carefully place it. And there are 13 dominoes. And the largest domino, it weighs about 100 pounds and is more than a meter tall. Ready? Boom. So that's, that's exactly what our thoughts do and our words. It's, they seem small. They seem small. But if you allow them to creep in, and they're, if they're not of God, it can result in a massive chain reaction. And before you know it, your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions define who you are as a person of God. And they'll take you to your destiny. Good or bad. But it starts with you and your thoughts. It's the smallest things in life that result in the big things. So today, I want to talk about words. Here's some cool facts about words. Research says the average guy talks about 7,000 words a day, and some ladies talk about 20,000 words a day. Okay, let me see. <laughs> Guys talk 7,000 words a day. Like the Tim the Toolman grunt. Some ladies talk about 20,000 words a day. Stop elbowing your spouse. I saw that. Don't do that. But words are important if we speak thousands of words a day. In fact, there's about 171,000 words in our English language, not the ones that are made up that we use, our slang words, but actually 171,000 words in our English dictionary. We We use words to communicate information, but more importantly, we use words to communicate about how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about other people. The majority of words that we use throughout the day is to communicate about how we feel. How I feel about myself or how I feel about something or someone. And so I look at these and one thing that that I see is that words are very important. In fact, words are more important now than ever. Something in the last 10 years actually shifted on how we communicate. You know what happened in the last 10 years? Social media began. Social media. So now we have actually over 35 million people just in the U.S. use their words every day and log into their social media and post their words on their Facebook or whatever page. And I don't know exactly what the shift is, but now there's a trend called online trolling. Have you seen this before? Online trolling or online bullying where they just sit there and they just type. 
They type, 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 type. And it's usually to make fun of someone or to ridicule someone. But, but, but this is going on. And, and someone is using their words to hurt somebody. And the point I'm trying to make this, this morning, church, is that our words are one of the most important things that we use in our lifetime. Our words are so important. In fact, have you ever tried to go a day without talking? It's hard. To communicate something and not use words, it's difficult. And it's because God made us to talk, to use our speech, to use our words. But here's the thing. Ever since the fall of man, our words are not the best anymore. In fact, our words can actually do some great things and do some really horrible things. I want to show you the power over this. Over the next few moments, I just want to show you what the Bible says about the words that we speak and the words that we actually post. So even though we're talking about speaking words, this goes to everything that you use words to do in your life. And just to give you two things that you can do better to watch your words and watch what you speak. The first scripture I want to show you is Proverbs 18.21. It's on your worship guide notes. It says this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life, think about this, death and life are in the power of your tongue. The words that you speak, this is a very important verse because here's the thing. The words you speak, the things that come out of your mouth, can either be life-giving or it could be life-taking. Every word that we speak either gives life or it takes life. And so if that means the words that we speak, our thoughts become our words, that means we have to do a little bit better job, church, to filter what is being processed up here before it comes out of our mouth. Because words, they can either give life or they can take life. You can build up and help by speaking, but you can also hurt and tear down and even kill by what you say. Our words, even the smallest of words, even some of those, the, the, even the words that are the no-no words are only four letters long. And they can hurt and they can kill and they can destroy. The smallest of words can make a big difference. James, the brother of Jesus, actually had a few things about it. And if you ever want to read about the power of words, read the book of James. It's in the New Testament. But this is what he says, a few things he says about our words and gives a great example of their power. And I want to walk through this with you guys. James chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. This is what it says. It says, if we put bits in, our in them to the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Horses, these massive animals. I don't know, how many of you guys have worked with horses? All right. Okay, for, for those of us who haven't worked with horses, to make the horse obey your command, they have this little, about, they're about five inches long. It's this piece of metal or steel they put in their mouths, and it guides the entire beast wherever you need it to go. Without that bit, it's very hard to make the horse obey you. And so they put this little bit in the horse's mouth, and it guides the whole thing. And the point he's trying to make is it's the smallest thing that can lead to a very big thing. It's your small words that you have can lead to a very big thing. He goes on in verse 4. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're actually guided by very small rudders wherever the will of the pilot directs. How many of you guys have seen cruise ships? 
or been on a cruise. Massive, massive ships that take years to build, but the rudder is only just a few meters tall. And just that little rudder directs the entire ship. Your tongue is so small, it can direct big things in your life. You see, your tongue is powerful. The words that you say are powerful. Verse 5, it says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It means your tongue has the ability to make the best speeches, most compelling speeches that any man has heard. We, we've all heard of great speeches. But guess this, even though your tongue is so small, just by the smallest words, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Did you know your smallest of words can cause some really big problems? I hate you. I don't love you. I'm done. I quit. Wish I'd never met you. The smallest of phrases, the smallest of words can have big impacts on your life. What you say is important. Church, words are important. We live in a day where we just spew our words out of our mouth before we even think what we're about to say, and it can be reckless. In fact, the author of Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one whose rash words, another good word for rash is reckless. There is one whose reckless words are, is like a sword, and it's like you're being thrusted by the tongue of the wise brings healing. So your tongue can pierce somebody. How many of you guys have been in an argument and you say something that you wish you shouldn't have said? Or you pointed out faults? Or you said something that is just you, you knew that if you would say that, for a moment you would feel better, but you knew it would destroy that person. And you say it. It's like a sword just thrusting in their stomach. But the one who's wise, you can use your words to heal and to build up. Why, why is this so important? Because I know this, this whole thing can sound just kind of elementary. Like, oh, we teach our kids, like, you know, you, know, you say a nice thing, don't say bad things. But I think a lot of time as adults, we think we evolve from that principle and say, you know what, I'm an adult now. I can say what I want to say, and you guys can deal with it. But I'm telling you, what we teach our kids is the same principle that we still need to abide by. God is telling you, you need to watch your words. Watch what you speak. Proverbs 15, 4, he goes on and says, A gentle tongue is like a tree of life, but perverseness, it can break the spirit. Again, words are powerful. So here's what I want us to do just for a second. Just like last week, we took a thought audit. Today, I want you to take a word audit. If you look on there, it's an audit of two things. I want to walk us through this. You see, you, again, your words can either be life-taking or life-giving. So I want you to audit your words. So if you guys can look at this, look at this, look down. Look at this, don't look at me. The first one is others. What are your words like to others? When you speak... Do they give it, do they, do, does your words give others life? Or, on the opposite side of the spectrum, do they take life? What do your words do? Go ahead and circle one. The other part of the audit is to yourself. 
When you speak to yourself, because we all do, and I'm even counting the words that you say in your heads to yourself. When you speak to yourself, do you speak life-giving words? Or do you speak life-taking words? Go ahead and circle one. Because what I want you to do is I want you to see for yourself where your words are. Are they life-giving? Or are they life-taking? Here's what I want to see. I'm just curious about this because I was doing some looking and I did my own thought audit or my own life-taking words audit. How many of you guys speak more life-taking words to yourself than you do to others? If you can, would you just slip your hand up or at least make eye contact? My hand's raised. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's normal. Because here's the power of words. Your words are so destructive to yourself. And it's so important to speak the things that God thinks about you over your life. What God says about you, you should repeat those things to yourself. And so I just thought that was interesting because I was, I was looking at that and had a few other people do it. And I'm like, I bet you that's an epidemic. We, we're, we're, we're pretty good at saying good things to other people. But when it comes to ourselves, those words are a little bit life-taking. Not necessarily life-giving. And here's the thing, church. I, I think the world can use some life-giving words. I think as Christians, and I'm not talking about the world because, you know, there's a whole movement of, like, you know, say nice things and do those things. But as Christians, there's something that needs to change in our speech. As Christ followers, I think we can do a little bit better job of going out into the world and speaking the good things that Jesus sees. Because why? Because in your tongue, you can speak life or you can speak death, but it's your choice. What are you wanting to speak? What are you wanting to say? So, let's go about this. Two practical things. How do we give life-giving words? Number one, again, super simple, but if you put these two small things in your speech... It can result in big differences. Number one is this. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Or as my parents taught me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. Adults, we have a hard time with this one. Don't we? Oh, c- c- come on. I'm, I've seen Facebook posts. I've seen them. How we talk about our neighbor, our friends, our presidents. I've seen it. If you can't say something helpful, don't say it at all. And this is not just a good parent tip for your kids. It's very biblical. Again, I think it's so funny how adults, we think we can just grow out of this principle and say we can remove that filter and begin to run our mouth. But I'm telling you, your words are more powerful as an adult than they are as a kid. So we got to watch our words. If you can't say anything helpful, skip. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. And this church, he was instructing them on their speech. Look at what he says. He says this in 429. He says, let no corrupting talk. Stop there. That's huge. Let no corrupting. Don't let some or partial or when you think it's right or you think it's going to sound well, or you, it may be constructive for them to hear this. 
says, no, 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 no. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as what? Is good for building up. As it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. Let me ask you this question. Does your words give grace to those who hear it? Right? Grace, you know what grace is? God gives you grace, something that you don't deserve, but he gives you grace anyways. Do you, when you speak, does your words give grace to those who hear it? Or do they receive condemnation? I think this is something that we can maybe put into practice. The word corrupt, I love this, I love this. The word corrupt, you can actually translate down, it's like our word of rotten, like we use like rotten fruit. So if you put that, plug that back in there, it says, let no rotten talk come out of your mouth. Rotten talk. How many of you guys put up with rotten food in your fridge? I love it when my food goes rotten in my fridge. I'll let that sit in there for a while. Let's close your refrigerator door. My wife will have to deal with it. She can toss it later. Oh, I love it when the food just sits in the trash and begins to rot. I just love the smell. I don't. You guys are like, is he, is he for, no, I'm not. So then why do we let rotten talk come out of our mouth? It's not helpful. It's not good for building up. I think we have enough of rotten talk in this world from all sorts of people. But here's this. God doesn't need his children doing it too. God doesn't want his children to have rotten talk. And I want to challenge us what Paul talks about in the later half. But instead of rotten talk, we should speak words of only that is good for building up. That it gives grace to those who hear it. As a speaker, I have to make sure my words give grace. That everything that I say to my kids, I say to my wife, or if I'm preaching to some other place, or whatever it may be. Whatever I say, I have to make sure, number one, it's of God. Number two, it gives life. And let me tell you, you can still give correction and reprimand and still give life. Say that one more time. Parents, you can still give correction and still give life. It's possible. It's actually a very godly way of doing it. But we have to watch our words. We have to watch our words. But, we, but what we shouldn't do is when we get into an argument with our spouse and you were, use words that we know they'll feel like a knife in their belly and you just say words like, oh, you can just leave. I don't need you anymore. I wish I never met you. Or you say to your kids, oh, you're useless. What are you thinking, stupid? We say that. But do you know what that feels like on the receiving end? Just as Proverbs say, it feels like a sword just thrusted in their stomach. We've got to watch our words. And the reason we don't do it is because as Christians, please make note of this. As Christians, when we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it says that our mouths and our heart is connected. It's referring to Matthew 12, 34. It says, out of the heart, so the mouth speaks. And since our hearts and mouths are connected, when we step in a relationship with Jesus Christ, not only does our heart change, but so should the way we talk. I think this is so huge, because a lot of times we'll step in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we'll come here on Sundays, but then our talk is vastly different than what we believe in our heart. 
And let me tell you, if you keep saying the things that you are beginning to say and does not reflect the heart of Jesus, your heart will turn. It's the natural process. It's what happens. Because whatever is in the heart, so speaks the mouth. So what are you speaking, church? What am I speaking? Because let me tell you, if you're not speaking the good things that are only good for building up, and you're letting that corrupting talk, it means that you have seeds in your heart that need some weeding. And you might have to do a little evaluation on your heart. Another pastor said it this way. You should write this down. Our speech should always minister grace and draw others to Jesus. Our speech should always minister grace and draw others to Jesus. Let me tell you, Satan encourages speech that will tear people down. He encourages that. He wants that to happen. If you say something to tear someone down, that's not of God, that's of the enemy. And so he encourages that. He wants you to tear down people, to destroy the work that God is trying to do. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. It's that easy. Well, I'll just write a letter. Don't write a letter. That counts too. I'll just post them. Don't post it on Facebook. That counts too. Well, I'll just say it to my friends so I can, so I can vent to them. Don't say that because that's gossip and that's a whole different other sermon. You see what I'm saying? Because our words start with our thoughts. And if you listen to last week's message, what are we supposed to do with our corrupted thoughts? Make them captive, make them obey to Christ. And if you catch them here, you don't have to worry about them coming out of here. You you see how this works? A lot of times we wait for the big thing and we don't worry about the small things, but it's the small things like our thoughts and our little words that lead up to the big things. So you're going to have to start with step one, subsection 1A. Work on filtering your words, work on filtering your thoughts, and it will result in the bigger things. You've got to watch it. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Number two, and this is the one that I want to focus on. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Have have you guys eaten a honeycomb before? Like, if you get a chance to, do it. It is delicious. But I remember my, uh, uh, my father-in-law, he has uh, a little, some honeybees on his farm. But I remember in high school, uh, uh, honeybee keeper, I think that's what they're called. I don't know if they're technical words. But uh, he comes and he gives us little, little bits of honeycomb. And they look exactly what you think they look like, little kind of like octagon shapes or whatever, filled with honey. But you can eat it. And it's like eating like, like a candy bar. And it's, it's sweet and it's delicious. And it's actually good for you. It's, it carries a lot of nutrition and, and vitamins and things that you need. And then he's making a point. He says, gracious words are like that. It's good. It's like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul. Health to the body. Gracious words are healthy for those who hear it. It actually gives them life. Notice that it says gracious words, not gracious thoughts. Here's the thing, church. I think we're really good at thinking good things about people, but we never say it. So then what good are the good thoughts. Well, what are you doing? I'm just thinking good things about you. Just keep them locked down right here. I'm just going to stay here and think and look kind of creepy, but 
Say the good words. Let them know what you think. Hey, you are really good at that. Man, you blew it out of the water when you did that project. I'm so happy you got that raise. Child, I mean, you are an amazing kid. I'm glad God gave you to me. I'm glad God met me and you together and we have a great marriage. See, you see how this works? I mean, our kids watch the shows all the time. You know, say good things, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. But put that to practice, adults. Say the good things. Don't just think it. Say it. All of us can agree. We can think of nice things. But what happens if we say it? Thoughts are thoughts. They remain in our head. No one can read your thoughts, but they can hear your words. They can hear your words. This doesn't mean that you like walk in because <laughs> some of you are going to be like, 8 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going in and I'm just going to be chatty Cathy and give everyone a compliment before they have their cup of coffee. Don't do that. You might get hit in the face. Not good. But when you go to work tomorrow, the little things that you notice, like, oh man, I'm glad he covered that shift for me at work. So thinking that, say, hey, thank you for covering me. I really appreciate that. You have no idea what that means. Or when someone watches your kids, you're like, oh, man, like, that's a lifesaver. Tell them, you're a lifesaver. Thank you. It's the little gracious words. It's like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul, health to the body. When your kids do something that impresses you, tell them, man, that's a good grade you got on that test. That's good. Don't just say, oh, I expected you to do that. Tell them the good things. When your wife looks good, say, babe, you look awesome. When your wife don't look good, babe, you look awesome. <laughs> Speak good words. Men, jot that down. You should be writing that down. And here's the flip side. Husbands, wives, if your husband fixes things around the house, don't just say, yeah, that's why I married you. Say, honey, you did a really good job. You want the power of that? I can fix a leaky faucet, and my wife will look at me, and she says, man, you did a good job. My chest puffs up. I'm like Superman of the house. I'm good for the week. Why? Because words are powerful. You have no idea how many people go through this life without hearing the good words to them. How many spouses have to go home and hear words that are life-taking, not life-giving? How many kids have parents and they're just dying for their mom and dad to say something good to them instead of being so critical on them? There are people who commit suicide every single day because of what is said to them. There are people that drop out of jobs, drop out of colleges, that just quit on life because of the things that said to them. I was almost not in ministry because of what a pastor said to me. Words are powerful, church. And even though they're small, they have a lot, a lot of power. Angie, if you want to make your way up. Jill and I, I want to share this story on how, how powerful words are. Jill and I were youth pastors at a church in Scotts Bluff, and we had about uh, 30 to 40 uh, junior high students in our well, junior high youth group. And uh, we really learned the power of words, especially if you have something good, you better say it. Uh, when our youth group began to grow, I realized that God was bringing us kids who were kind of more on the fringe of society. We weren't getting the athletes. We weren't getting the popular crowd. We'd have a few of them. We were getting the, you know, the, the beautiful girl or the handsome guy. We were getting the outcasts of school. 
And they were just being drawn to our youth group. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I mean, if we're going to get the misfits of society, then how can we encourage them? And he says, you need to use your words. Because a lot of these guys were picked on at school, getting bullied in the school corners. They'd go home to unhealthy parents. And they just hear more of that. And, we, and what began to happen is every week we had to start watching the words that we say. When a lady, when a young lady would come into our youth group and she was wearing things that probably shouldn't have wear out in public, we would tell her just how beautiful she was. We didn't tell her to go home, you need to change because that's inappropriate. We said, you know what? God thinks you're beautiful. Or when a guy comes and he does something great, saying, dude, you did such a good job. Way to hold that door open for her. That's such a big thing. And every week, and it kind of just kind of brings tears to my eyes a little bit, but every Wednesday when we had to meet, I mean, these people were messed up. We had to do our weekly checks. Weekly checks consisted of this. She would have to check all the girls' wrists to see if they were cutting that week. And I would have to check all the boys' wrists to see if they were cutting that week. We had to make sure the girls that if they uh, pregnancy tests and those things, we had girls come up and tell us before they told their parents that they were pregnant and they needed help. I had kids come up to our, our, our door late at night saying, I'm thinking about just ending it. Junior hires, I just run from their home, come up, show up on our front porch and say, I need your help. Why? Because our words are important. And let me tell you, as a, as a young youth group leader, I thought, I, was, I thought my words weren't doing any good. I thought they were useless. I was telling them how much God loved them, and they would still cuss. They would still do those things. They, they, they would still make mistakes. And I'm like, am my words even doing anything? I mean, I'm preaching, and I'm loving, I'm doing these things. And I'm not checking my Facebook because I know I'm getting bored in my preaching. I'm, I want to I read you something that was actually just sent to me a couple weeks ago. See if I can pull it up here. I got a message from a junior high who's now a senior high. He's a senior in high school. And he sends me this message on Instagram. And this is what it says. I mean, this is a kid. I, I mean, I just, I loved on him and said good things, but I didn't know what was going on. He says this. He says, hey, Pastor Vaughn, uh, I don't know if you remember me at all, but I was in seventh grade while you were back in Scott's Bluff. I was going through an awful time in my life to the point where I was contemplating suicide. You and I talked quite a bit outside off your church hours. The times where I thought I was just getting annoyed because I'm not at my job. And I thought, ugh. I'll talk to him. He says, and he gave me a Bible I couldn't afford. And I'm a, I know I'm a little late on this, but I want to say thank you for the conversations that you've had for me. In seventh grade, a kid was about to take his life because of the words that were said to him. I remember those words. Because we had kids coming in who were just total outcasts, bisexual tendencies, thought they were weird, awkward. Some of them got kicked out of church camps. And I couldn't believe what the camp directors would say to them. The church should be a place where people can come and hear words 
that edify people and give them life. Not condemnation. They'll get convicted. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is the things that I just read. Give life. Speak love. Wrap your arms around them. Because while it may seem futile at that moment, you have no idea what four, five, six, ten years down the road, the power of your words, it could save someone's life. Where someone might have thrown a knife in their stomach, your words can take that knife out and bring God's healing to their life. Now this kid, he's on varsity. He does amazing things. He's got a huge future for his life. He's such a bubbly kid now. And I was kind of stalking him on Facebook. He's got all these videos. Totally different person. And I only had him for a year and a half when I was a youth pastor. But let me tell you, do not forsake the good words that you have in your head. Speak them out. Because it has power. Don't hold it back. Speak it. Church, we have the power of life and death in our words. The words that we speak, we need to filter them before we talk. We got to watch the words we say. Because let me tell you, even though you may think it's right, other people can hear your words. And it can set the course for their eternity. How powerful are our words? And these same rules apply to ourselves more times than not. The words that we speak hurt us the most. The words are super toxic to our souls. Not, not words of others, but the words that we say to ourselves. If you look at your word audit, a lot of us, it seems like you say more life-taking words to yourself than life-giving words. Why? God doesn't say those things about you. Jesus doesn't say those things about you. Sometimes, I said a couple sermon series ago, sometimes you have to be the best preacher in your life. You're going to have to tell yourself what God says about you, the good things, the things that he loves about you. You're going to have to get in the rhythm of saying those good God things in your life. I love this. There's a scripture here, 1 Samuel 36, uh, 30 verses 6. It says, David was greatly distressed. It was King David. He was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. He was freaked out. He had anxiety and stress. His own people were going to betray him and kill him. But this is what it says. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. The words that you say to yourself, are they strengthening you? Or are they weakening you? David strengthened him Self. When you want to speak those life-taking things to yourself, you got to strengthen yourself with the words that you speak. Instead of saying, oh, my marriage is a shambles. It's going to end in a divorce anyways. Don't say those things. My kid, he's not going to make it. He's been failing school. It's just useless. Don't say those. In fact, here's, here's a good little tidbit. Here's a tidbit as I wrap up. Every time you say something... End it with, and that's the way I want it. Super simple. And that's the way I want it. Oh, my, sh- my marriage is in shambles. I don't even like my wife. She yells at me, and, you know, and that's the way I want it. No, you don't. So then why do you say it? Switch up your words. Oh, I don't, my, my kid's rebellious. He's useless. and He's not going to amount to anything, and that's the way I want it. No, you don't. So then why do you speak it? 
I'm no good. I'm less than. I'm inadequate. You know, and that's the way I really want it. No, you don't. So shut up those thoughts in your head. Start saying the things that God says about you. You're more than a conqueror. You're the chosen one. I want to fill you with compassion, love, and kindness. He wants to see the fruits of the Spirit take life. He wants to make sure that your words are actually a life-giving tree. It's like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, life-giving to your body. That is what God wants for you. That's the way I want it. Here's the thing. I'm going to leave you with a challenge. I want you to seek God for one statement that you can say about yourself for the new year. For me, I struggle with being inadequate. I was talking with a, a sister this morning and uh, we're talking about a training that we were at and uh, talking about some issues that came up. And I had to confess, I know there's times when I get around other pastors, I feel less than. Because everyone else has got degrees, doctorates in theology, went to seminary and, you know, just super good. And here I am, some punk kid in their 20s, no education, no nothing, learning from scratch, leading a church. And I feel inadequate. I feel less than. Don't feel like I'm good enough. And here's the thing that I have to say to myself. I have to say it. I don't think it. I have to say it. I say, do you know what? That's not what God thinks. God chose me for this job. God's the one that chose me for this job. I have to say that verbally. My wife has to remind me of that. What is your one statement that you can say out loud to destroy all the other statements that the enemy wants to throw your way? What is it? The one thing that you struggle with, the one thing that you wrestle with, the one thing that the enemy likes to throw at you and it feels like that knife is just pitted in your stomach. What's the one thing that you can say that is of God that can combat that? What is it? Write it down. Post it on your mirror. Keep it on your phone. So when you turn on your phone, it's the first thing you see in the morning. Have a reminder that goes off every two hours that your alarm clock goes off. You can look at it and it's a reminder. It can get annoying. But let me tell you, you need to speak those words that God has for you. You need to speak them. Because this world is full of words that are volatile. It's like rotten fruit. It does nothing for you. It actually takes your life. It doesn't give life. And as Christians, as children of God, we have to watch the words that we speak. Because they're powerful. They hold life and death. Let's pray.